0: excuse me today. I I usually write the sermons out and I put them in a folder or I'll type them out and then print them. But uh, we had off work Friday, so I didn't have a chance to print. I'm going to attempt to use some technology and I'm not good with technology. So uh, I'll probably hit a button and we'll all be lost. Um, Some news, we sold our house. Uh, It finally went through. So we are officially homeless, but uh, we're we're looking. Um, I wanted to, since coming here, I've thought a lot about um, a Wednesday night service. um, Something that I I think we need. And uh, while in Memphis and all the driving we were doing, I had a lot of time to think. And um, I was trying to think of... What are some reasons that people don't come to Sunday service? Like, what is it about Sunday services that keeps people away? What's that? This is audience participation time. So, too early in the morning. Too early in the morning. Too early in the morning. Well, fortunately, on Wednesdays, uh, it's going to be in the evenings. We're looking at a seven o'clock start. So, if you can't roll out of bed before seven o'clock. Then uh, we will be praying for you while we're here. What, uh, what are some other reasons that people might not be able to come on Sundays? Anything? Sitting up all night. Staying up all night. Staying up all night on Saturday night watching football and basketball and, and doing whatever else they do. Not, not able to make it on Sundays. Um, I, I started making a list while we were driving, driving in the truck uh, back back here to Kentucky. And um, I started thinking of some reasons people might not want to come. Crying babies could be one of them. Uh, but I thought of several reasons. Could be something as simple as clothing. People don't want to dress up. Or people may say, well, I don't have a shirt. I don't have a tie to wear. I wanted to create a Wednesday evening service where that didn't matter. Um, some other things, maybe they don't have a Bible. Maybe they feel like, I don't want to go if I don't have a Bible. I would really love to start a a collection of Bibles here that we can give to people as they come in if they don't have one of their own. Maybe they're afraid to be called on. I won't call on anybody on Wednesday nights. Um, I know that was one of my fears when I first started going to church was, I oh, don't know, they're going to call on me to pray. I'm not going to know what to say. It's a fear that a lot of people might have. Could be that they don't know what to do in church. Maybe they're a little nervous about um, the procedures and what to do. I know when I was um, in my 20s, I was an usher at a wedding at a Catholic church. And I walked this lady down the aisle, and I went to show her her pew, and she fell. And I tried to lift her up only to find out that she was kneeling and crossing herself before she entered the pew. So I was trying to lift her, while because I didn't know what, what she was doing. I didn't know the procedures in that church. I want Wednesday night to be very simple. It's going to be something we call Kaya service, C-A-Y-A. It just means come as you are. It's just an acronym for come as you are. I don't care what you're wearing We don't judge anybody. God certainly doesn't care what we're wearing, right? I've I've been in churches where people look like they're headed to a ball. They got the hat on. They got the beautiful dress on. And I think, are you glorifying God with your dress or are you glorifying you, right? Are you trying to impress the Lord with what you're wearing? Are you trying to impress the other people in your pew? Dress is not an issue. We come as we are. If you just got off work at the mine... And you're wearing jeans and dirty flannel, come on in. If you just got out of the law office, we want them here. It doesn't matter the, uh, what we're wearing. So what I'm planning on, I just want to throw this out there. We're going to start not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. That's the 27th, I believe. Um, what it will look like is you invite people, please do. Um, it's a it's very... Um, Home-like atmosphere, where it's, it's going to be open to conversation. We'll come in. We'll sing a couple songs. Uh, we're working on how to do that. Uh, we, we might want to play some uh, videos with the songs on, the, with the lyrics on them, because I know in a Baptist church, oftentimes we'll skip that third verse and not tell anybody, <laughs> and then somebody has to fake a coughing fit because they don't know where they are on the song. But if we all have it on the screen. To follow along with some music, Um, it might help bring some more people in. Okay? After that, we'll just take some prayer requests. If something's going on in your life or you know somebody that needs prayer, we'll share those out and pray for them. And then finally, what I'll do is I'll break down some scripture for us. I've printed out a hundred of the more influential uh, passages in the Bible it will be a two-year study. We're going to start in Genesis and work our way through Revelation. And I'm going to print out one of these for everybody. We'll have a stack of them. So you'll know what we're going to be working on each week. You can read ahead. And after or during when we're breaking down Scripture, I would encourage you to ask questions or tell us what God has laid on your heart. What did you see in that Scripture uh, that maybe I missed? Okay? So that's going to be called Caia service. We'd love to have as many people as we can. Wednesday nights, very low-key, very um, friendly, and at home, okay? So uh, we'll talk more about that next Sunday, and I'll hand out uh, the, uh, the study pages. Okay, so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be in verses 22 through 33, but before we, we get into that, I just want to tell you what has led up to this part in, uh, in the scripture. In the beginning of uh, chapter 14, we see Herod has John the Baptist uh, imprisoned. He put John the Baptist in prison because his wife, um, we, we went back and forth on how to pronounce her name. Herodias. Herodias. Okay, we're gonna go with Herodias. Uh, Herodias was very angry at John the Baptist because John the Baptist told uh, them that their marriage was sinful. Because what happened was she actually left her husband, which was Herod's brother, to marry Herod, and that upset Herodias. So she wanted him dead. Well, Herod didn't kill him, but he put him in prison. And during this time while John was in prison, Herodias' daughter danced at a ball or or a dinner that the king had thrown uh, for many people. She danced for them and she did such a good job that Herod said to her, anything you want, I will give you, just name it. Well, before this had happened, Herodias went to her daughter and said, if the king says this to you, I want you to ask him, For John the Baptist's head on a platter. And that's exactly what he did. Because he had made this promise in front of everybody, he had to go ahead with what he had promised. So he had John the Baptist beheaded. Jesus hears about this, and he says, I don't want any part of this right now. We're going to flee. So as they're leaving... They have a great multitude of people that start following them. And this is what you see that leads into Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the five loaves of bread and the two fish. Okay. Now, after he feeds them, we see that in John chapter 6, it says they were going to capture Jesus and try to make him king. Okay. He did not want this to happen. So... And he also did not want his disciples to fall in with the crowd. So that's where we pick up in verse 22. Matthew 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, or Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come unto the ship the winds ceased. Then they then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him saying, "O oh, a truth, oh, o a truth, thou art the son of God." Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us together in your house. It's always a great day to be in your house regardless how what the conditions are. I'm grateful for the people that were able to make it today, Lord. We just pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to your word and press on us what you want us to learn today, Lord. Please don't let me be a a hindrance to your word. Uh, We we just ask that you will be here with us. Let us feel your spirit, Lord, and all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. In your walk with Christ, you're going to come across, you're going to face many storms, there are two types of storms that I want to mention before we start breaking the scripture down. Uh, the first kind is the God created storms. Okay, these are difficult times that God has created in your life to grow you and make you stronger. You might think that once you give your heart and life to Christ, everything is easy going. Everything's just easy sailing. God's got me, He's going to protect me. I'm not going to have to worry about any of these difficult times you quickly find out that that is not the case. Um, Just because you're in the will of God does not mean he won't use difficult times to grow you. Okay? I actually got into a conversation yesterday with a, a few people that truly believe God does not create difficult times in your life to grow you. Um, they said that because he is such a loving and caring father, he would not do that to his children. I argue that a loving and caring father will discipline his children. They need that discipline to grow and to feel his love. So he's going to create these times in your life. Now, that, that being said, I I think a lot about what my, my job is standing up here my, the purpose of me being up here is not to make you think what I think. My, my, my purpose is just to make you think. When I pray over my sermons, I don't pray that you'll go home thinking, oh, he, he, he nailed it on the head. What I, what I, what I pray is that when you go home, you'll be excited about the word. I really want to make the word something that comes to life. So when you go home, you say, I want to read more about that. I want to study more about that. I want to pick out some things that maybe he didn't see. OK, that's my goal with with, um, preaching. So God's going to create some storms in your life, whether you're in his will or out of his will. Even if you are saved, he's going to create storms in your life. When you fall out of the will, he's certainly going to create storms in your life. You can ask Jonah. Jonah was supposed to go to preach to the people of Nineveh, but he didn't want to. So what did he do? He, he bought a ticket to get in a boat to leave to try and go far away. So he, he went down inside the boat to try and get as far away from God as he could. But you cannot escape God. God sent a big storm and almost capsized the boat. So what did he do? He said to the sailors, you have to throw me out of the boat. He wouldn't even jump out himself. He told the sailors, you have to throw me out. And when he got thrown out of the boat, we all know what happens. He spent three days in in, in the belly of a a whale or a giant fish, right? God sends uh, troubles your way, but he will also allow things to happen to you. He allows hard times to happen in life because of the choices that you have made and I have made. Have you ever read Judges? That's what it's all about. The, The people of Israel loved God and then They decide to worship idols. God took his protection away from them, and they become conquered. They cry out to God. God sends a judge to free them, and they love God again. And then they worship idols, and God takes away his protection. And it's just a series. It's just a loop. It goes over and over. God allows these things to happen to them because of the decisions that they made. One of the great great thinkers of our time... A man by the name of Randy Travis. He wrote an album. He's a, he's a country singer. He, he wrote an album called The Storms of Life. And one of the songs on that was called The Storms of Life. I just want to read it very short. It says There's a dirty piece of cardboard that reads Montgomery Ward, taped across the window of Mile Ford, a six pack on the front seat, and a box of chicken wings. I'm dialing across the radio for a song that I can sing. I better change my wandering ways. I know I've seen my better days, always getting high when I get low. Well, I left my soul out in the rain. Lord, what a price I've had to pay. The storms of life are washing me away. An old male pouch tobacco sign fading on the barn, bringing back sweet memories of mama's farm. When love was just a country girl that lived on down the road, you know, that was, she almost had me turned around, but that was years ago. I better change my wandering ways. I know I've seen my better days always getting high when I get low. Well, I left my soul out in the rain. Lord, what a price I've had to pay. The storms of life are washing me away. He has some other songs on that album. One was On the Other Hand. He's talking about his wedding ring. He's about to cheat on his wife. But he says, On the other hand, I have a golden band that reminds me of my wife. Digging up bones. No place like home. 1982. He's singing songs about his past. He's reminiscing about his past and the things that he's done that has messed it up, messed up his life to where he is. All those choices that he has made. Reasons I Cheat is another one. There will always be a honky tonk somewhere with a jukebox in the corner and someone crying in their beer. All the songs that he was singing were about storms that he created for his own life by the choices that he made. So we have two storms. We have storms that God gives us, and we have storms that we create on our own. Now, I want to get into Matthew here. Um, I have three points I want to to discuss. Uh, The first one is the wind, okay? Okay. The wind, we see three things about the wind. But first, let me say this. We were driving back here from Memphis. I was driving a 20 foot truck, a uh, 20 foot uh, trailer on the truck, a uh, big U haul. And the wind, I don't know if you've ever driven a truck that big, but the wind treats that truck like a sail. The wind hits you from the side, you're going into the other lane or off the road. It's just, it, it's terrifying. It can be terrifying. That wind is nature. That's from God. But there were also times when I created that wind myself. When I got behind a big truck and I said, I, he's going too slow for me, I'm going to pass him. I would get in the left lane to pass him, and it would create this force between us that would just push me off of the road, over past the rumble strips, terrifying, to the point that I'm, I'm steering the wheel into the big rig. Okay? There's two types of winds there. There was one from God that pushed me around, and then there was one that I created for myself. Because all I could think about was me. I thought about my destination. I thought about how am I going to get there? How can I get there faster? It was all about me, me, me. Right? Me, me, me. I don't worry, I'm not going to start singing. But it was all about me. And I created that wind for myself. I created those dangerous, dangerous situations because of my own thoughts, my own actions. So... Um, The first thing we see about the wind is that it was contrary, okay? The disciples were rowing against the wind for hours. They said by the time Jesus got out to them, it was between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. He had sent them right after they ate. They get out in the boat, and they are just rowing against the wind. Contrary means to be against. They're just rowing and rowing and rowing. Have you ever felt like you were in in an uphill battle? You were just fighting an uphill battle and it, you were making small progress but you weren't getting to where you wanted to go as fast as you wanted to. That's what these men were uh, facing. Maybe it could have been financial struggles. Um, maybe it was an addiction. Maybe you thought you were making headway only to find out that it comes back and gets you again. Or maybe you haven't made as much progress as you thought you may have made. What did the disciples do? The Bible tells us that they give up, they turn around, they go back to shore, right? John says, oh, we're going to carb load on on the rest of that bread that we had, and we're going to try again in the morning. That's not what they did. They kept trying. They kept going forward. Because they were commanded by Jesus to go forward. When you find yourself in a contrary wind, keep pushing forward. And remember that Jesus told us in John 16.33 that in this world we will face trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Keep pushing forward despite the storm, despite the wind, despite the circumstances. The second thing we see is that it was boisterous. We see this when Peter walked out into the water and he's walking towards Jesus. And he takes his eyes off Jesus because the wind becomes boisterous. Now when I think of boisterous, I think of wild and and, and scary and coming from all around. Which would be terrifying. Have you ever been in one of those times where you're just being beat up? You're just beginning to come through a storm and then things start turning around and you get blindsided by something else. It could be maybe you lost a job you're struggling with losing a job and then all of a sudden your car breaks down. And you're like, oh no, now my car broke. Oh, and now the stove went out on me. Now the roof is leaking. And all these things are just hitting you from every which way. That's what I consider a boisterous storm. Something that's blowing all around you. uh, just, Just very hard to control. That boisterous storm you're getting hit with hits you from all sides. In that situation... Take a lesson from Peter and call out to Jesus. What does Peter say? Lord, save me. Lord, I'm going under. I need you. Please save me. So the third thing, and this is not my third point. This is my first point with my third thing in the point. So don't don't think you're getting out too early. Uh, The wind, it was contrary. It was boisterous. And then it says it ceased. We're all going to fail in life. I know those of you that, that have nice cars and nice houses and, and, and you give the charity and, and you work at the, the food bank and, and your Bible's real big, but we're all going to fail in life when we're held to the standard of God. We are all going to fail. The key is just to be close enough to Jesus when we do fail. Because look what Jesus does. He reaches out and he takes Peter by the hand. He walks him back to the boat and he stops the storm. Jesus can rescue you from the storms of your life if you will put your trust and faith in him. Second point, Peter's faith. I want to talk about Peter's faith here. This is not a passage about Peter failing. Oftentimes we hear this passage and we think, uh, uh, of Peter taking his eyes off of Jesus and sinking, and that makes him a failure. This is not a passage about his failing. This is a passage about God's grace. Look at what happens here. Look at the situation Peter and the other disciples are in. Okay? They're already scared because of the storm. They're being, they've been rowing, they're tired, they're beat up, and they think they see a ghost walking out on the water. That would be terrifying. But Jesus comes to them and says, don't fear, it's me. And then Peter speaks up. Now, if you were in Peter's position and you wanted to test Jesus to make sure that what you were seeing was truly Jesus, what would you have asked for? Think about that. Jesus said, it's me. And Peter says, well, I want you to prove to me that it's you. What would you ask him? you would probably say, hey, Jesus, remember three chapters ago when you stopped the storm before? Maybe you could do that again for me. That's what I would ask him for. Maybe you would ask him to pick the boat up and carry it to shore. But that's not what Peter asks for. Peter doesn't even ask for a thing. Sometimes we think Peter asked God to allow him to walk on the water. But that's not what he asks God for. That's not what he asked Jesus for. He asked Jesus to command him. We, we pray all the time we ask for things, right? We ask for a little more money in the bank account. We ask for uh, somebody to be healed. We ask him for things all the time. But what we rarely ask him for is to command us to do something for ourselves. I wonder how that would change our prayers if we started asking for direction ask him to command us ask him to give us give us give us what he wants us to do instead of asking him for things ask him how we can do it for ourselves so Jesus gives Peter the command come so Jesus steps out on the boat with faith In Jesus' command, some people get confused, and they think of faith as being blind optimism. They just they think, "Oh, it's something you haven't seen; you don't know for sure, but you're just putting your faith in it." That that that's not what biblical faith is. Biblical faith. Listen to this uh, definition: Biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. You read it again. Biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. see, third times a charm. I want you to listen to it and think about Peter's situation. Peter's been out on the water, he's scared, he's tired, and he's about to walk out onto the water to Jesus. Biblical faith is confident obedience, he's obeying Jesus, of God's word, the word was come. In spite of the circumstances, which would have been the wind, the storm that they're facing, and the consequences. If I step out of this boat, and that's not Jesus, I'm sinking straight to the bottom. Peter has biblical faith. Right, amen. Amen. <laughs> So, yes, Peter does take his eyes off of Jesus, and he gets distracted and scared by the wind. We can't blame Peter for sinking, because the command that Jesus gave him, when Jesus gave him that command, he knew Peter was going to fail. What does he say to Peter? O thou of little faith. Is little faith a bad thing? In a few chapters from now, Jesus is going to tell us that just the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. So I would argue that a little bit of faith goes a long way. And if you think about it, Peter was the only one that was, had enough faith to step out of the boat. The other disciples were in there probably snickering to each other, this guy's crazy. You to try to step out of the boat and walk on the water? It's crazy. Now we see this account in three different parts of Scripture, in three of the Gospels. We see it in Matthew, Mark, and John. This is the account in Matthew. Now, um, Matthew is the only one that actually mentions Peter walking on the water. So why didn't John mention it? John was in the boat. He saw what happened. We don't know. Could be that maybe he was feeling a little insecure. Maybe he was a little jealous of how great Peter's faith was and didn't want to make himself look bad for not walking also. We don't know. Why didn't Mark mention it? To understand why Mark didn't mention Peter walking on the water. We have to remember what the gospel of Mark was about. Mark was actually the interpreter for Peter. Peter gave Mark these stories that Mark recorded in scripture. So it wasn't Mark that would have left it out. It was Peter. Now, if I'm one of the only two people in the history of the world that has ever walked on water, I'm thinking I'm probably going to tell some people about it. Okay, I'll have a Facebook page, Water Walker. I'll have t-shirts made up. I would be bragging about it, because that's uh, just being honest. Peter did not brag about it. Why not? We look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. You don't have to go there. I'm going to read it for you. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? What he's saying there is, yes, I've been through trials and tribulations. I've, I've gone through a lot of things in my life. But they all, they, I, I can tell you all about them. I can tell you everything about them. I can tell you just the difficult times in my life. But they don't matter because all I want to tell you about is Jesus. That's why he didn't bring it up. He didn't want to brag on himself. All those hard times that he went through are only to point him and glorify and honor Jesus. Finally, my last point. And I'll get y'all out. I I know I went went long again today. This point is recognize... First of all, we we talked about the wind... Okay, we talk about Peter's faith. Now I want to talk about recognizing Jesus in the storms of your life. I think when most of us read this account, we assume that Jesus was walking out on the water to do what? To help them, right? We think, okay, well, they, they were in trouble. They were in the storm. They were tired. They were scared. Jesus had been watching from the mountains. He'd probably been praying for them. He walks out there to help them. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Take a look at Mark's account and what happened. In Mark chapter 6, verses 48 and 49, it says this. And he saw them toil. this is Jesus, saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch, which is between three and four o'clock in the morning, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them he wasn't planning on coming out there to help them John John's description says the same thing he walked out on the sea it was going to walk right on past them it wasn't until they cried out in fear that Jesus stopped he didn't have any intentions of helping them he was walking to the other side why were they scared because they thought he was a ghost They didn't cry out because they saw Jesus. They cried out in fear. Jesus stopped because they were scared. They didn't know why they were crying out. They didn't know what they were crying out about because they they didn't know exactly what it was. But Jesus knew what they were going through. He knew the fear in their hearts. Maybe you're going through a storm in your life right now. Maybe something is troubling you and you can't quite put your finger on it. You can't make out What that is that's scaring you so much. God could be waiting for you just to cry out. Even if you don't know what the problem is. And you don't know what to say. He knows. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you are saved and you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will intercede for you. He will speak for you. He wants to calm the storms in your life. But first you have to admit that you can't do it on your own. So there are three things I want you to take away with you today if you're taking notes. First, don't assume that because you're in a storm that it was from the devil. Jesus will create storms in your life to help train you and strengthen you because he loves you. Have, second, have faith in God. Have confidence and be obedient to his word in spite of circumstances and consequences. And finally, number three, recognize you can't do it on your own and allow him to work in your life. We're going to have a, a, a moment of, uh, of invitation. I would, um, we're going to pray and then, and then we'll have our invitation. Um, I would just encourage you that if you don't know the saving power of Jesus... That you would come forward and and allow us to allow me to pray for you. Um, He loves you and and he wants to help guide you and and he wants to rescue you from the storms of life that you're really we inflict upon ourselves. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for uh, your your Word. Thank you for uh, all that you do in our lives, whether whether it's the, the good things that we see. or or the storms you pass through our lives, Lord. I even look at the storms as good because you're training us, you're teaching us, and you're loving us, Lord. We're so grateful for you for being such a loving and caring Father. We just pray that you'll be with us as we go throughout the week and um, just continue to love on us and continue to help us see you in our storms, Lord. All these things we ask in Jesus' name.